So did everybody have fun at VBS this year? Good. Now, I kind of wonder how many parents don't know what a pangolin is. Maybe you didn't know what a pangolin was. Okay, thanks for being honest. This is a pangolin. It kind of looks like an anteater sort of creature. But it's, it's not an anteater, and it's not a penguin either. It's a pangolin. And so this is kind of our, our mascot for VBS this year um, because of the armor, right, kids? What is it that he uses the armor for? For protection and defense. Nice. Yeah, that's right. And what does he do? How does he use his armor? What does he have to do with his body? Yeah, he kind of does this thing, right? And then he rolls around. Does he roll? That'd be fun if you would. What else does he do? What's he do with these things? Digs up and, yeah, and eats ants with his curly little tongue. That's, that's a fun thing to look up later online is how a pangolin eats. But we chose the pangolin because of the armor and because our theme was the armor of God. So we've been talking all about all those pieces of armor and our kind of focus in Ephesians 6 has been verse 10. Do you guys remember verse 10 of Ephesians 6? Therefore be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, right? And that's what the armor of God is for, is to give us that strength. Now, we rearranged the sanctuary, so I'm not sure where the Bibles are, but if you have a Bible with you or on your phone and you'd like to follow along as we look at God's word this morning, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to read the first 10 verses of that. Because there's something really interesting that I think we should land on this weekend about the strength of God and how we interact with it. Because Paul, who wrote Ephesians 6 about the armor of God, also wrote 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And he's going to teach us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 about weakness and strength. Now, the theme of our whole VBS hasn't been be weak in the Lord and in his mighty weakness, right? It's been be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, right? But what's interesting is that Paul teaches us that there is a need for us to embrace our weakness so that, verse 10 tells us, the power of Christ may rest on us. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to read the first 10 verses. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for the wrap-up of VBS. We thank you for the last two nights and all the fun we've had. Uh, Lord, we pray that as we come to your word now, um, that you would speak through us, speak to us, Lord, speak to our hearts, show us your great power and strength, and that you would be glorified. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I forgot something, and that was to dismiss kids from zero to three for nursery. So if you would do that, if you have kids zero to three that would you'd like to take down a nursery, feel free to head down there now. I apologize for not doing that earlier. It's a different kind of Sunday, and so I'm kind of in a different kind of headspace, I guess, <laughs> forgetting some things that I don't usually forget. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, follow along with me. If you don't, that's fine. Just listen to what Paul says. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is making a case for his ministry with a church that has kind of looked at Paul and said, I don't really know if I like Paul. 
I think I'm kind of done listening to Paul. I don't really care what Paul says about God. I think I'm going to go listen to some other people who seem very strong, who seem to say things that I really like. I think Paul is kind of weak. Paul's kind of not the guy I want to hear from. Listen to what Paul says. He says, I must go on boasting. Though there's nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And here are things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would, not, I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So, to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Well, this is God's word for us this morning. And it's a very interesting story with a lot of big words. So let's try to sum it up a little bit here before we go any further. See, Paul was given this amazing opportunity to see heaven, to go to paradise, to go to that perfect place. And kids, why is heaven a perfect place? Because God's there, right? And when God's there, everything's perfect. There's nothing bad. But you know what's amazing is that he doesn't actually say anything about heaven in this passage. He says, what I saw were things that I'm not allowed to say. Do you find that a little strange? That we could say that heaven's a perfect place, that God's there, that there's no more sin, there's no more sadness, there's no more hurting, there's nothing like that there. But why didn't he say any of that? I think it's because heaven is so amazing that for him to try to describe what he saw in this vision or whether he was carried up, he said, that's not the point. He's saying that if I tried to tell you what I saw, my words wouldn't do it justice. I wouldn't even come close. And you would get like a less perfect picture of God's dwelling place, of God's home for us. Well, Paul was brought high in these first few verses. Okay, we're going to kind of follow this story through three steps. First, Paul is brought up high. Can you do this with me, kids? Can you go, Paul's brought high, and then Paul's brought, guess what? Low, and then he's brought high. high. Yeah, actually he was, but not in this passage. Okay, so it's high, and then low, and then he was brought near. Let's do this for near. Can you give yourself a hug? Pretend you're a pangolin. You want to hug a pangolin, right? He's brought high, and he's brought low, and then he's brought near, right? Got it? Okay. So, first, let's talk about how he was brought high. Paul says he went up into the third heaven. 
well, goodness, how many heavens are there? Well, in the, there's three, right? Yeah. In the Bible, when it talks about the third heaven, he's talking about not the blue sky that we see, nor outer space, but something beyond that. That's the third heaven. That's where God lives, a place we can't see, even with our best telescopes. I almost said microscopes. Microscopes don't help in that, right? We wouldn't be able to see it. And then Paul says, I saw it. And you can imagine people reading the letter saying, well, tell us what it is. Get, get our attention. Tell us something amazing so we can say, Paul's pretty impressive. But Paul says, no, I'm not allowed to talk about it. First of all, because it wouldn't be right for me to do so. And secondly, because then it would give you the picture that I'm something far more special than you. It would shine the light on Paul and not on the place that God let him see. When Paul was brought up, what direction, kids? High, when he was brought up high, it was so that he could marvel at the power of God over all things. So that he could see in heaven that God is bigger than anything else. You can put your arms down now, you're going to get really tired. God is bigger than anything else. Just like you just sang to us. God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. And he can't do everything, but wait, that's not how it goes. There's nothing that God cannot do, right? And that was something of what Paul got to experience. He got to see how powerful and how high God is. Raise your hand if you would like to see God's power. Yeah, I'm not going to show it to you. Well, I mean, preaching, right? This is the word of God. But boy, wouldn't we love to have this kind of experience that Paul did, right? If we could just say, hey, does anybody want to go up to heaven and see God's throne? Who would say no to that, right? Well, Paul had this amazing experience, but he realized that there was a challenge with it. He realized that with that experience, there was a temptation. What's temptation? Does anybody know, kids? What is it, Isaiah? Yeah, yeah. It's when we, when we feel like we want to do something that God doesn't want us to, right? That's temptation. And Paul realized that because he saw that, there was a temptation, there was a possibility that he might think too highly of himself, that he might, what he says, become conceited, right? That he might start boasting, Okay, He realized that he was in danger of using this experience to show off how special he was to God. Right? What do you do when you get around your friends and you're just hanging out and you're talking? You talk about work and you talk about how things are difficult and you talked about things that maybe you did that were really impressive. I did this pretty cool thing at work. I mean, Paul would be the guy at the party who could be like, okay, go ahead and tell your stories, but guess what? I went up to heaven. So um, beat that, right? He's realizing that he doesn't want to go that direction with that. He doesn't want it to turn into something that he brags about because that takes away God's glory. That's not God's power when we're bragging about ourselves and pointing just to us. So since Paul was brought, are you ready, kids? Since he was brought up high, God had to take him and bring him down. Guess where? Low, right? Oh, boy. Well, it's not going to be very exciting for Paul. Listen to what he says. He realized he wasn't allowed to talk about any of these things. He says then that a thorn was given him in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass him, to keep him from becoming prideful. 
Now, he doesn't tell us what this thorn in the flesh was, but we know its purpose was to bring him down low, right? Now, this seems like a weird thing for God to do, isn't it? God says to Paul, hey, watch this. And he brings him up into heaven. And then he brings him back and he's like, thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that thorn was. It might have been an eye problem that he had. It might have been something physical that bothered him that made him feel weak. Why would God make us feel weak? Why would he want to do that? Especially when we have verses like what we talked about last night. Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, right? Why would God let Paul become weak? Paul was brought low so that he could embrace and be close to God in a plan that required him to be weak. God requires weakness in us, kids and grown-ups. That's not really a message any of us really want to hear. And if we go back to the point of Paul's letter here where he's defending his ministry and people are saying, I don't really know if I want to listen to Paul anymore. It seems like Paul's not helping himself very much, is he? He's not saying, hey guys, look at me. Get, you need to listen to me because I'm really impressive. I got to go up into heaven. He doesn't say that. He says, instead, I'm going to boast about or I'm going to proclaim my weakness. Because he realizes in verse 7 and 8 that God gave him this thorn in the flesh to keep him humble, to keep him low, to remind him of his weakness. We don't like doing that, do we? We would much rather talk about how great we are, how strong we are, all the wonderful things that we did. And kids, your moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles, we love to hear about the cool things that you do. But life hits us harder than what we can actually match it with our own strength. Things get very difficult. The temptation to sin is far greater than anything we can face on our own. That's why we need the what of God? The armor of God, right? We need to be protected, and we need to have something to stand firm against temptation and sin. But again, our way is to make a lot about ourselves, to boast about ourselves. So, so friends, I need to ask you this morning, is there something that you're boasting in about yourself? Is there something that you say, I know I'm really worth it because I can do this? God's design for us is not to trust in ourselves because of the things we can do or the things that we know or the things that we can say, but to trust in him, to see our weakness as part of his plan. Now, I, I, list, I read a, a book recently by a guy named J.I. Packer, and the title is great. His title is Weakness is the Way. And in it, he talks about why weakness is so hard for us. And he says, our proud hearts shrink from weakness. We become like Percy. We go, oh, I don't want to be weak. I don't want to talk about it. I'm going to roll up into a ball and pretend like everything's okay and ignore everything, right? The author said that we shrink from weakness in any of its forms, but our hearts embrace whatever looks like strength. And God's message to Paul and his message to us today is that the things that the world say looks like strength aren't actually strong. They just look like it. They appear to be so. But God's way is different. And so he gives Paul this thorn in the flesh. Again, we don't know what it was, but his purpose was to remind him of his need for God's strength. Psalm 5 and verse 5 
says, the boastful shall not stand before the eyes of the Lord. We will not be able to say, God's going to accept me because I'm going to tell him why. I'm going to tell him why I'm so great, why he should have me in his kingdom, why he should bring me up into heaven too. The Bible says God doesn't want us to be boastful. He doesn't want us to be proud of ourselves in a way that says we don't need anybody else. So, let's review again. Paul was brought up high. And you're coloring. You're doing a great job coloring. And then he was brought down low. And what's the last one? Does anybody remember? He was brought near in the middle. Yes, right. God brought him high and then brought him low so that he could bring him near. So he could bring him near to his power. Listen to verses 9 and 10, what Paul learned because of this thorn in the flesh. We'll back up to verse 8, sorry. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. You know, when he says three times, he didn't just say, please, Lord, please, Lord, please, Lord. What he's saying is, is that I pleaded. I poured out my heart before God. I asked him again and again and again, take away this hard thing in my life. And then he says, the Lord answered him. Now, you might expect that the Lord's going to answer him and says, well, Paul, you've done a really good job praying. You've done a really good job asking me for help. I'm going to take away that thing and make everything easier. Isn't that what we want when we ask God over and over and over to take some difficult thing out of our life? But rather, God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, this is pretty cool because God says to Paul, the power I want you to experience is not just any kind of human perceived power that you can come up with on your own that you can kind of imagine but he says i'm going to grant you perfect power but here's what's needed did you catch what was needed we need to be weak we don't want to be weak but paul heard these words from god and he believed them and he said this listen to verse 9 After that, he said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest in me. Boasting in our weaknesses is not easy, is it? Boasting in our weaknesses sounds like we need to go around and say, hey, guess what? I'm weak. Hey, guess what? I'm really not very good at cleaning up my room. Hey, guess what? I'm really not very good at my job. Hey, guess what? That's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is, is to let his weaknesses be his source or his connection to God's power. He's saying that in recognizing whatever it is I'm facing in life that's really hard, God's design is not for us to say, well, let me find that thing in myself that I can pull myself up and make this thing better. No, God says to us, look at your weaknesses and be glad. Be glad for your weaknesses. Be glad for the struggle. That's what Paul's saying. He said, I'm going to boast in it. I'm content with it. He doesn't just say I'm content like, okay, I'm just going to pretend like it's not there. This word contentment means that he is actually glad for the things in life that are hard because it is there when he is weak that God's power is near. God's power comes near to him in his weakness and it covers all of his weakness and he can trust in God's power perfectly. Well, how is this even possible? It's possible because Jesus, God's only son, came to the earth. He came away from all of his power, his perfect majesty and glory. He left it all behind and became just like us and became weak. 
This is why we must be weak, my friends. This is why we must embrace our weaknesses. Because Christ has become weak for us. Because when he became a human, he lived a perfect, sinless life without any of the failings or any of our unrighteousness. He was able to obey God perfectly. And when he obeyed God perfectly, when he came to the end of his life, he died, not just like every other person is going to die, but he died as a substitute. He died as one to take the place of others. He died as one who was actually absorbing the weakness of other people, their sin, their wrongdoings against God, so that he could pour out the power of God. See, Paul in another place says in Romans chapter 1 that the gospel, the good news that Jesus has died and risen again is the power of God for salvation. And so, since Jesus has risen in power, he comes to us in our weakness and he says, here's my armor, here's the helmet of salvation so that your mind will be filled with the truth That though you were a sinner, though you were far from God, God didn't say, I don't want anything to do with you. He puts the truth in your mind to say, I want you to be near me. I want you to be washed clean and given a new opportunity by faith alone in Christ alone. From turning from our sin and putting our faith in Jesus' work alone. So he gives us the helmet of salvation. He gives us the shield of faith so we can raise it up against the lies and temptations of the world. To, protect, to be protected by the faith that we have in Christ. He gives us the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, so we can know what is true. He gives us the gospel boots so that we can walk in peace and proclaim that peace to other people. He gives us the breastplate of righteousness so that our hearts will be guarded by His right standing with God and not our own. And He gives us the belt of truth so that everything can be tied together by the truth of who God is and what he's done for us. Friends, if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, if maybe there's a, there's a thought in your mind that you know, he's not somebody I want to know, he's just going to judge me, he's just going to take away, take away everything that I love about this life, he wants to bring you to a point of weakness so he can give you his power, so he can make you strong, so that he can take away your sin and give you perfect peace and joy in him alone. To be brought near to be able to then rejoice in the trials because we know that that brings his great and perfect power. So, last thing. Since he's been brought near, Paul says, I'm going to do something really weird now. My life is going to be totally strange. It's going to be inside out from the rest of the life of those around me. He says, first of all, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. I'm going to make weakness be what people know about me. I'm not going to go around saying, here's how great I am. He said, I'm going to go around and saying, there's nothing for me to tell you about me, but there's everything for me to tell you about Jesus. There's so much for me to tell you about his power. I have no room to talk about what I've been able to do. I'm not going to tell you all the great things that I think I've accomplished. I'm going to rest in Christ's power so that I can know it. I'm going to rest in my weakness so that the power of Christ would be perfect in me. And the second thing he says he's going to do is that for Jesus' sake, since he died on the cross for me, he says, I'm going to be happy, not just content in a way of pretending like it's not there. I'm going to embrace, I'm going to run head first into everything the world throws against me because I know his power is in me now. Because I know I can be confident. I can overcome whatever I'm afraid of, whatever I'm worried about. All of those things, not because of my own strength, but because Jesus is with me. Because he's given me the armor of God to wear, to stand firm against whatever I face in this life. 
Because he says in verse 10, when I am weak, then I am strong. And that was our big verse for the last two nights too. Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You know, the message of the world kind of boils down to be strong in yourself and in your own great might and your own great power. Christ comes and says, you're not going to be strong enough, but that's okay because I am. And so we can have confidence in starting a new school year or starting a new week at work or starting a new afternoon after church is over. Whatever in our life might seem greater than we can handle Don't talk about your strength in it. Don't talk yourself up and say, I got this, I'm going to crack my knuckles and just lean right into it and make it happen. Why don't you try saying, Lord, will you show me your perfect strength in this? And I'll just rest in that. I'll even boast in my weakness and say, all right, Lord, I can't do it. I can't. It's okay. You can. And through you, so can I. Christ offers us this power because he offers us salvation. He offers us the opportunity to deal with the sin of pride in our hearts that stands up in rebellion against God. And he's able to, through his life, death, and resurrection, bring us that life, bring us eternal life, bring us a death to our own sin and a resurrection lifestyle of living a new way, living in an opposite way, an inside-out kind of way to the world around us. Jesus has done this all at the cross. And that one act of weakness, where he let his life go, the power of God was perfect and able to save any of us, if we'll believe. Would you bow your heads with me and pray for a moment, please? Lord, I thank you so much for the power that you call us to receive in you. Lord, in our hearts, whether we are young or old, kids or adults, wherever we come from and wherever we're going, Lord, it is easy for us to just trust in ourselves. I thank you, Lord, that though we are sinners, though that we are far from you, apart from Christ, you have not simply said, well, figure it out on your own. But you have come near to us. Yes, there are moments you bring us up high like Paul, and there are moments you bring us down low like Paul. That's all to bring us near to you and your power. Lord, would you help us in the high moments and the low moments to boast only in Christ, to make much of him. And Lord, I know there might be people in here that don't know you. I pray, Father, you would touch their hearts. You would speak the truth of who you are and that you would do this amazing thing. Your word says that we must be born again, have a brand new life, turn everything inside out for your glory, for our joy, for our fulfillment, to save us from the penalty that our sin brings us, to bring us eternal life in you. Or would you make that true for each one of us this morning? We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.